0: The Gridiron Growl
1: podcast from Chop Talk with your host, David Soderquist and Michael Pfeffer.
0: Welcome, everyone, to episode number six of the Gridiron Growl podcast. This is none other than your boy, David Soderquist, along with lead writer from Chomp Talk, Michael Pfeffer. And on today's episode of the gridiron growl podcast we have analytical guru from the alligator brandon farrell he is a beat writer as well as we will be discussing key issues with the florida gators football team where they can offensively and defensively improve and where brandon sees the gators this year in the 2020 season we will also have on a very familiar voice in the florida gators program he's been on many shows platforms and even on wrf 98.1 fm gamesville His name is Zach Albaverde, senior staff writer from Gators territory, and we will be discussing the press conferences, recruiting rankings so far in 2020, locker room leaders, and other tidbits around the Florida Gators football program. So, Mike, a very exciting and intriguing show today.
2: It's going to be a great show, and I'm excited about it. And You know, I'm I'm excited we've had six episodes so far. It's hard to believe it's kind of flown by up to this point, but... uh, I've really enjoyed this and I got to say, you know, this job, it's better than my last job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I worked at a, uh, fire hydrant factory and you know, it was a good job, but it was impossible to find parking.
0: Michael Pfeffer with the joke of the week. Mike, I will say I do love this job. This is, it's not a job to me. Actually. It is a, uh, it's a fun job. And uh, like you said, we've done six episodes so far, and we're gonna keep going. Uh, One day, we're gonna just keep doing this to like 2030 or something like that, and maybe we'll have uh, some national championships in that uh, the mantle in the next decade or so.
2: That would be uh, that would be ideal. I would love to see a few more national championships. Uh, You know, I'd love to still see Dan Mullen on the sidelines at that point.
0: Right, and hopefully we can see championship trophy this year in the middle of, of Dan Mullen's office. So uh, Mike, we've, like I said, we got some pretty interesting guests and some, you know, things been happening around campus this week and big news happening in other people's campuses as well.
2: Absolutely. The entire landscape is changing on almost a daily basis because of COVID. Uh, you know, when we thought, all right, everybody's in, everybody's on board to play. And, and now we're starting to see, maybe not so much we've got players leaving lsu players leaving georgia uh, amidst concerns that they may uh, damage their future prospects by playing in in the covid crisis
0: right uh a lot of players or nfl draft worthy and don't want to take the risk this year of of the virus and uh are opting out uh, and and going towards getting their uh, NFL draft uh, stock. Hopefully they can rise their stock in the combine. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what goes on the rest of the year before the season starts. Cause uh, I mean, there's always a chance. We still got three weeks. There could be other players opting out. And I'll tell you what, the, uh, the school that uh, really got hit the hardest was LSU. Uh,
2: absolutely. They were already in the midst of a major rebuild after last season's phenomenal run. And, to find out that some of their key players for this season are, are now not going to play. That's got to be a major blow to Ed Orgeron and the entire fan base.
0: Right. And as you saw Jamar Chase opting out, which is very, obviously, you know, that was a little expected, uh, you know, uh, especially after the year that he had a very amazing receiver that Florida did lose out on, uh, in the Jim McElwain era, but, uh, so like I said, LSU was hit the hardest and Georgia was hit a little bit too with Jamie Newman opting out for the season. Their projected starting quarterback.
2: Yeah, that's, that's going to be a big one for me. I mean, that leaves a gaping hole and a lot of question marks as far as, uh, the way their season progresses. Cause JT Daniels hasn't been cleared yet. Um, so is he going to end up being the starter? Maybe, but, uh, Losing your your starting quarterback right before the season starts that's that's no good. Yeah, uh,
0: th- that that's a tough situation right there at the University of Georgia. Uh, like I said, J T Daniels isn't cleared to play, which which brings me to my next question: Who's going to start or be the starting quarterback at the University of Georgia? Uh, you have Dewan Mathis, and uh, there there's somebody else behind him. I can't even remember the guy's name, but you know, Dewan Mathis was a uh, I think it was a Ohio State flip at the last minute. And uh, flip, to, flip to Georgia. Uh, but Dewan Mathis is maybe starting this game. Uh, JT Daniels just doesn't have the experience in practice or have the experience on the team. But we'll see what happens at the University of Georgia. But a lot of news going on this week. And we'll get into all of that in this episode of the Gridiron Grawl Podcast. Uh, we'll start it off with Brandon Farrell from The Alligator. He is a beat writer from The Alligator, really analytical guru. And... Uh, You know uh we're just gonna be discussing basically where florida can improve as a team where their deficiencies have been this past year and uh what the future holds in 2020 for the florida gator football team
2: right i'm looking forward to it
0: well folks let's kick it off with the interview we had with brandon farrell on the gridiron growl podcast We have Brandon Farrell, beat writer from the Alligator, with us today on the Gridiron Growl podcast. And, Brandon, are you uh, holding up through this crazy year of 2020 like us all?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying here at least. Um, you know, it's, it's a little weird being a, a college football writer this year and then kind of realizing, like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if we're actually going to get to cover any of that college football this year, but we'll see.
2: Well, hopefully we make it through the entire season. I just want to take a moment to thank you for joining us today. Um, recently you wrote about the defense coming together and and starting to take shape Um, one of the things I took note of was how Quincy Wilson is receiving a ton of praise from Todd Grantham because of his versatility how do you see that versatility being utilized in a season where the team will have to find a way to duplicate C.J. Henderson's production from a year ago
1: yeah to me that was one of the big things that they kept talking about Um, I believe it it was Grantham who basically said that like versatility is going to be super important this year because you don't really know who's going to be available week to week. You know, obviously right now the Gators don't have any positive tests, but that can always change, uh, especially as the season goes on and you know um, that sort of deal. But uh, you know, if you have a bunch of really versatile guys and you've got, you know, a few guys at a certain position out, you know, they, they've talked a lot about, you know, cross training a few people so they can play multiple positions. So if you have a few edge guys out, you can, you know, move guys over to ensure that you still have depth at that position. Right. So, yeah, I, I agree with him that, you know, versatility, regardless of if it's, uh, you know, up front or, or in the secondary, uh, you know, for example, like trading, if he can move between playing star or safety whenever he needs to, um, yeah, you know, like that's a good example of, of the versatility that they could that they could need this year.
2: So, do you see in that example? Do you see uh, a, like a rotation at the start position between Wilson and Dean, and then them going back to like corner and safety as well?
1: Yeah, because I think that they've said that Wilson has played at multiple positions in practice. So, uh, yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised if you saw them rotate.
0: Yeah, uh, Todd Grantham has gushed over Wilson playing, being very versatile at multiple positions on the uh, defense. And uh, speaking of speaking of the defense, uh, you know, uh, you know, it was last year the defense still ranked pretty good nationally, but you did see some struggles, especially in the LSU game and the Georgia game, and even if you watch the Virginia game, the bowl game, and the Orange Bowl, they they struggled a little bit as well. Uh, where did you see the biggest struggles? on the defense, and do you think Florida's defense will struggle, stay the same, or improve this year?
1: Yeah, I thought that uh, to me, I thought the big problems were were in the secondary, and I suppose also, you know, just like that midseason run where they had just a bunch of injuries up front with uh, Zuniga and Grenard last year. You know, I think that was a big problem with Georgia and, and LSU was that, uh, you know, if, if your secondary already isn't like Super great! Like I felt like their secondary when they played against really good teams last year kind of let let them down a lot. Um, yeah, there's a lot of breakdown. so yeah, like especially I think I think their safety play last year really could have been better. So if you have all that and you're having a really hard time getting to the quarterback, like it's not going to be a fun time for your defense. But I, I guess that I would say that they're going to be. Better this year, I guess. Um, it certainly helps that this is year three of of the Mullen era. So at this point, pretty much everyone who's starting is going to be one of one of Mullen's guys, or at least guys who have been there for a while and, and know how the system works and how you know th- that defense works. I mean, they have a big advantage in a lot of continuity just ac- like across the team. But I think that one of the areas that they really benefit from and I, I believe that they brought this up was that they have a lot of continuity with their coordinators too so they've had the same offensive and defensive coordinators for three years right so, so have anybody switching anything up on yeah. or anything like that you know uh bill connelly with his sp plus rankings has florida as the number three defense to start the year oh wow i didn't i didn't see that i'm gonna have to go that one up.
0: Uh, and as you were telling talking about the defense, I know that Florida has got a lot of experience returning in defense as well as they've recruited pretty well on the defensive side of the ball, especially this year and, 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 last year too, a lot of top 100 players recruited on defense from last year. So it will be curious and I, I'm pretty curious to see how the defense does this year. I think it's going to improve. If you, if you ask me, uh, it, it's, it's, it's got to improve. I mean, uh, you know, it's like I said, they were still ranked pretty well but you could see like you said the defensive breakdowns and things of that nature from last year it's not the florida defense we're used to seeing uh we're used to seeing that smash mouth you're not going to score past 20 points defense so you know it's
1: yeah i think that they might just improve based off like just who they play this year i mean they play a few first year coaches Um, i mean yeah they play lsu again this year but like they're not playing joe burrow this year right um So uh, I think just because of that alone, you might see a better defensive performance from them this year.
2: Speaking of uh, continuity and experience, um, that's something that I think we're we're seeing a lot of fluidity with, with COVID and opting out and all that. So recently Georgia's Jamie Newman opted out. And uh, I was curious, what kind of advantage does that give Florida going into that Georgia game or has that advantage been negated by the fact that they now have to put numbers on their pregame warmup gear?
1: Yeah. You're talking about the Dan Mullen rule there. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Uh, I don't know about that one. Um, but, you know, that, that was, that was always going to be Florida's big advantage heading into Jackson this year. Was that, or and really just against the SEC in general, is that they're one of the few SEC teams that brings back a good starting quarterback this year. So, you know, to have that advantage already, and then I don't know what's going to happen with Georgia at quarterback. You know, it's just sort of assumed that JT Daniels will step in there and be the starter, but I don't think he's been medically cleared yet. And you're still talking about a guy who has had a, you know, no spring practice, you know, no, no summer workouts really until unless you're, I guess this counts, but this is really more preseason to me you know, he hasn't really been there that long and they've got a new offensive coordinator there this year. So I don't know how that all works out. You know, I mean, it might be coming together by the time they play. Uh, But for me, just the continuity that Florida has on both sides of the ball, especially offensively, like that could be a huge advantage for them. And people talk about how, how like this has to be the year that Florida beats Georgia. And, you know, just looking at the offensive side of the ball, like, yeah, I can kind of see that.
2: I've got that date circled on my calendar for sure. And I think that uh, I've really been watching the progression. Uh, Dan Mullen versus Kirby Smart. It, it seems that Dan is able to game plan in a way that always puts his players in the best position. So even when his roster wasn't as talented as as Georgia's, he still managed to be right there in the, in the mix with them. Uh, you know, last year was a seven point game. And I think that this is the year. I think that there's, uh it, it's necessary for Dan Mullen to get that monkey off of his back this year.
1: Yeah. I thought in 2018 that I thought Mullen outcoached Kirby smart in 2018. He just didn't have the guys yet. Right. I thought last year was kind of, kind of the opposite. I mean, Kirby had the guys and uh I think he outcoached Mullen. I think Mullen also just made a bunch of, you know, just small dumb mistakes. And that just kind of, uh racked up over time in that game. But yeah, like this has to be the year that Florida beats Georgia. I don't know if there's going to be a better year for that than this year. Right. No. I live in Georgia, man.
0: So that that game is near and dear to my heart every year. So I, I oh. definitely do not like losing that game. And uh I mean I am from Jacksonville, so I got it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So they're right in your territory every year. Um so you talked about last year's game and we were just we were just hitting on that um, Kirby Smart had a good game plan um, Georgia couldn't uh, he Florida couldn't get Georgia off the field on third down uh he he nickel and dimed first downs and kept Florida's offense off the field so the, I believe if Florida's offense was on the field more that game, it probably would have turned out for a win for the uh, Florida gators but uh yeah just it, it's last year I thought was supposed to be the year but this year definitely has to be the year especially with the quarterback situation over at Georgia and you mentioned JT Daniels uh he's he's got he's coming off injury he's got 3 weeks now do uh, you have Dewan Mathis there uh does does he step up but uh i mean when you take two transfer quarterbacks over to Mathis that really makes me think ooh, is he really the quarterback that you want this year or is, is there something else going on though? So it'll be interesting to see what happens over at the University of Georgia at starting quarterback. But uh, a team that doesn't have uh, questions at starting quarterback is Kyle Trask uh, and the Florida Gators. So uh, I have a question about Kyle Trask. Uh, he has uh, certainly been a quarterback that took us by surprise when jumping in for Felipe Franks last year in the Kentucky game. Uh, Kyle Trask is going into his second year as the starting quarterback for the university of Florida with probably the most experience as a quarterback in the sec will besides maybe Calamon to Texas A&M. If Kyle Trask just replicates his production. Now, if he doesn't improve, I think he's going to improve, but if he just replicates his production from last year, we can get a clear running game going and the defense improves from last year. Do you see this, this time, this team making a legitimate playoff run?
1: I mean, they've got the schedule to do it. Certainly. Um, And yeah, I think like in this era of college football, like you need a dynamic quarterback to, you know, get to the playoffs. I mean, like look at the quarterbacks last year in the playoffs, you know, between Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, you know, um, Jalen Hurts, like guys that can make big plays all the time. Like your quarterback has to be your best player to me at at this point in time. And yeah, like Kyle Trask was good last year, but like not elite. Um, and I don't know, Tr- Trask is just an interesting study because he doesn't he doesn't have a big arm. He doesn't throw the ball particularly hard. He has to throw a lot with anticipation because he just can't really fit balls into small windows because he doesn't, you know, he, he can't. He's like me, like Felipe Franks, who can throw a ball into like triple coverage, but fit it in there. Cause he just throws it so hard. Right. You know? So, uh, but that being said, like he's really accurate. So, you know, I think, yeah, there are some like physical limitations with tracks, but he's, he understands the offense really well. And he's just so accurate that I think that Mullen can use that and, and really work with it. And remember that like he hadn't started a game since he was in high school. Right, like a freshman in high school, like so. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how many other college quarterbacks can have that sort of thing where they just haven't started since they were a freshman in high school. Like that just doesn't happen. For somebody
0: that did not start in high school, uh, I will say he is. He's very done very well for himself the first year. Uh, it's like I said, it'll be interesting to see the second year of what Kyle Trask does. And you mentioned, you know, obviously he's not. Nobody really has the arm that Felipe Franks does. I think he had the strongest arm uh, his year when he was recruiting. uh, But, you know, Kyle Trask, it's like I said, never started a game in high school. And it'll be interesting to see if we can just get a run game going or if the defense gets a little bit better or if he gets a little bit more time to throw the football to see where Kyle Trask can improve and where maybe he could even be even better this year. So,
1: Yeah, to be honest, I think that like the offensive line is going to be the biggest thing for them because, I mean, especially against Georgia. You know, I I think just from a game planning perspective that it would be a lot harder for for Kirby Smart to stop for his offense if they have to actually like respect the running game this year. Right. Um, You know, I think especially for a guy like Kirby Smart, who's just a very, obviously like a very good defensive mind uh, that, you know, having to actually like respect the run and not have to play the pass the entire time. I think that could really help them.
2: Speaking of the running game, uh, you know, last year was basically non-existent. A lot of, but a lot of that was because of the lack of production on the offensive line. Um, have you seen anything this season that would indicate that there is improvement in the running game?
1: Um, I mean, we can't go to practice or anything, so like, I can't, I can't really tell you that. Right. right. Um, but, I mean, there's certainly the case for there's no way that it's going to be that bad two years in a row. Like, if you just, uh, I mean, just statistically, like, Florida was legitimately like one of the worst Power 5 teams ever running the ball. you know. And, and at a school like Florida, with the talent they have available to them, like, it's very difficult to, to think that that offensive line could somehow just be, like, that bad two years in a row. Yeah.
0: Uh, it's like a the offensive line was ranked, uh, I think, 122nd nationally of 128 teams. So, uh, you know, it, me and Mike have discussed the offensive line quite a bit these past couple of weeks. And pretty much, if you're at 122, you really can't get any worse. So I, I, I would think I would see some sort of improvement on the offensive line. I've been hearing a lot of things about Ethan White as well on the offensive line in the uh, scrimmages. Hevesy uh, has said... Many great things about Ethan White, so it'll be interesting to see how he, he he's grows up and how he uh, molds himself into that offensive line this year. And
1: uh, no, for sure, like Ethan White's certainly like a guy I would I would you know I'm keeping an eye on for that. But uh, a cool story. Yeah, with we'll, him. we'll see.
0: Yeah. And, uh, speaking of uh, just the team as a whole, uh, you you get very analytical on your uh, website on the Alligator, and I uh, uh, read an interesting article you posted in mid-August about what's been killing the Gators and losses during the and the at the University of Florida. Can you elaborate a little more for us, in your opinion, where the Gators have been weak in their losses and where you think this year, obviously, that they can improve?
1: Uh, yeah, so, I mean, that whole thing is, it, it is a little difficult because it's, what, five games? Like, it's kind of hard to take things from five games. Like, it's just a really small sample size. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, to me, like, the obvious ones have been... Uh, more so on the defensive end, like, uh, like LSU, like legitimately, that was one of the worst defensive performances by like any team in college football last year. Right. Um, like I don't really think Florida really had that much business to be in that game in the first place. Um, and the, the other thing was, um, like just their quarterback play and some of these losses, like Georgia, in 2018 or Missouri in 2018 or I guess, I guess really I'm just saying that like Frank's wasn't very good <laughs> in a, in a few of those losses. Right. Um, so like, yeah, that was part of it. Uh, like, like I said, the secondary was really bad. And, and also part of it is just that they're just doing a decent job recruiting. Um, it, it, it's always, it, it's going to be difficult coming into Jacksonville every year. If Curse smart has his army of five stars and, high four stars and you know you've got like only one or two five stars and you know when when you're at a recruiting disadvantage it's it's gonna be difficult right and uh like i said
0: dan mullen's a great developer of talent great developer of offense defense and uh you know coaching and development can only get you so far you have to go out there and get those elite prospects now i i will say i am excited about recruiting this year uh you know we pulled some two top stars from the miami palmetto area and there's a lot of other elite recruits out there that are starting to see that so it'll be interesting to see what happens between now and you know national signing day there's still a lot of time uh be interesting to see how florida's class shapes up at the end of the year all right brandon well thank you for joining us on the Gridiron growl podcast today and uh just tell everybody where they can find you on social media and other platforms
1: yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at bferral 727 and uh, you can also uh, please follow Alligator Sports at Alligator Sports, <laughs> um, or you can also uh, follow the Alligator at at the Alligator on Twitter. So that's pretty much where you can find my stuff. All right, Brandon, man, it's
0: been fun, and uh, thank you for joining us on the Gridiron Growl podcast. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. You want to rock out this football season? Check out the band Felicity on Spotify, Apple Music, the iTunes Store, Amazon Music, YouTube, Pandora, and other music platforms. Also check them out on Twitter at We Are Felicity, Felicity rocking out the state of Florida since 2014.
2: Well, that was uh, Brandon Farrell from the uh, Alligator. Um thought he brought up a lot of good points uh you know interesting talking points with the way everything's going down with covid and, and still some uncertainty uh you know obviously we're not allowed to view practices do we don't have the usual influx of information in the preseason that we would normally have um what are your thoughts on this
0: yeah, that sucks, man. Nobody can really get us any kind of good scrimmage or practice notes. All we have to do is go off what's said in press conferences, and uh, you know, it's a different year. 2020 is a different year, and obviously with the pandemic out there, there's going to be things that are very limited. But it's like you said, he brought up a ton of great points, and especially about the defense. And now it's, it's you know, I'm not going to sit here and insult the team or anything about the defensive play, but the defensive play is not – the defense, the Florida Gator defense that we're used to last year, the, we gave up a lot of points, gave up a lot of passing yards, and gave up a lot of third downs, especially in the Georgia game. And it'll be interesting to see this year what happens with the defense. And I know that they've recruited a lot better in defense ever since Dan Mullen has got there. So I, I expect the defense to improve this year. I really uh, do.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think that you know, year one in the Mullen era, we we saw a hard nosed defense. We saw they played with a bit of a chip on their shoulder and then, you know, we did see that drop off last year. We, we struggled in the uh, secondary primarily with the safety position. Um, I'm hoping that the experience that was gained uh, and, and then the added talent and and competition in the preseason here, as short as the preseason is uh, that we're going to see some dividends on the field this year.
0: Right. And especially with the additions to linebacker, I'm really excited about this linebacker group. You know, you have Ventro Miller, you have uh, it's Houston, you got, and then you got the, the new guys, especially Mohamed Diabate. Uh, like I said last time, uh, if you watched Vander, the Vanderbilt game, and, and I know it's Vanderbilt, but look what Mohamed Diabate did that game. He was all over the field. And, yeah, that
2: kid's going to be special for sure.
0: Yeah, and and then you got uh, the, a kid that played 10 miles from me in Roswell named Tyron Hopper. He's a top 100 kid. I think he was ranked 80th nationally uh, by 24-7 sports. And uh, if you ever watched the, the Under Armour game that he was in, he there was three interceptions that he dropped in that game. He had three interceptions. He was just all over the field that game. So I, I'm actually that, – that might be my sleeper at linebacker if they ever put him on the field is Tyron Hopper. So I'm really excited to see – what's going to go on at that linebacker position since we got a lot of good depth at that position
2: myself, you know, I I played defensive end throughout my football career. So I I love watching the defensive line. And last year we had so much production with Jonathan Grenard uh, and Jabari Zuniga when he was able to play uh, was lights out. So I was a little worried at the end of the season that we were going to see a huge drop off, but uh, everything i'm hearing out of practice tells me that that may not be the case we may even see equal or or possibly even better production uh with the addition of brenton cox and uh just, oh gervon dexter
0: yeah it's uh yeah with the addition of uh brenton cox and gervon dexter you know a big i, I call them big Dex, man uh he's, if you ever watched him in any of the seven on sevens uh that he had last year or even in the uh the, the Under Armour game that he was in man <laughs> that kid was unstoppable nobody could stop him not even uh, yeah, they put him up against Brian Brees over at uh, Clemson the number one offensive lineman and he was even you know giving that guy fits so
2: <laughs> the, he, he clearly played with a chip on his shoulder after being disrespected in the recruiting rankings
0: right and uh, what what I liked about him too also when when, when he signed with Florida uh, the first tweet he sent out was you don't carry stars over to college so that's that's a good that's a good chip to have on your shoulder, but it's also good to see that he's humble enough to know he's got to work even harder now that he's in college. And you also have Zachary Carter, who showed flashes last year in his development, along with Tadaryl Slayton. Uh, what does what does he show us this year? I mean, man, dude, you got Brenton Cox, Tadarius Slayton, Zachary Carter, Gervon Dexter, duh, just some of those key names on the defensive line for Florida.
2: I think it will be, and I think that we will see some improvement there in the in the secondary. Uh, Quincy Wilson. Seeming to take a little bit of uh umbrage, if you will, with the fact that he was left off a couple of these watch lists and uh hopefully that drives him to work even harder this year. And I know that as we said earlier, Todd Grantham has really praised his work ethic and his versatility thus far in the preseason.
0: Man, I know. I I can't wait to see that combo of uh Quincy Wilson and Kyrie bad That's that's gonna be stout, but uh Speaking of defensive line, we we have the complete opposite, the offensive line. Uh, Where's the offensive line go from last year? Uh, Ranked 122nd nationally, obviously, last year. They, They struggled a lot. Like you said, good in pass protection, not so good in the run game. So it'll be interesting to see if they can get any kind of separation in that run game this year, especially with the addition of Ethan White and hearing what we've been hearing in press conferences about Ethan White. It's a really cool story. From where that kid has come from and and we'll we'll see what happens on the offensive line and like I said Kyle Trask uh, we'll 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 see where he goes from you know with the offensive line and all that like you said they, they were good in pass protection last year not so good in the run game and even if Kyle Trask just replicates his production and doesn't improve say he, he replicates his production even if he replicates his production from last year that's still pretty decent pretty good you know production but I think he's gonna improve the offensive line like you said can't get any worse so the offensive line, I expect to improve as well. So we'll see what kind of running game Florida has next year, and we'll see what kind of uh, legitimate passing game we have. So, like I said, if we, we can get some sort of running game going and the defense improves just a little bit, I see Florida could take it all the way to the house this year.
2: Yeah, I, I certainly think that the schedule sets up for that. Um <clears throat> Obviously, a 10 game SEC schedule is, is a bit brutal, but Florida did come away with the favorable pick on the additional cross conference matchups. Yeah. <clears throat> and, uh,
0: they start out with Old Miss, though. That'll be an interesting game considering you got a brand new head coach of offensive minded Lane Kiffin and. Uh... Humley, their quarterback. Uh, He's shown flashes against LSU last year of how quick he can be on his feet now. Does that translate onto the field with passing as well? We will see. But I think Florida has the talent to beat Ole Miss in the first game. But it, we brought up another another interesting point about LSU and Georgia. LSU, man, they're, they're, they're getting killed by a, a lot. They're losing a lot. Uh, a lot of opt-outs for the NFL, which I don't blame the kids. You can go to the NFL to improve your quality of life. And you know, LSU's just been losing a lot of people here lately, so uh, there's, there's going to be a lot of deficiencies at, on LSU and, and Georgia. Uh, uh, they're uh, starting, projected starting quarterback Jamie Newman opting out for the season. It, you know, now you have JT Daniels, who hasn't been cleared to play. Uh, he literally has two to three, three weeks to prepare, unless people who are saying Dewan Mathis might start. Uh, I'm assuming DeJuan Mathis would start just based on the fact that he's been there. And JT Daniels still hasn't had a chance to play, but we'll see what happens with with Georgia and see what they do in the quarterback room.
2: Yeah, a lot of balls up in the air still. It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Um, but I'm I'm really excited that uh, there's college football going to be played. And as a matter of fact, I've got college game day on the television screen in front of me right now, so it, it's here.
0: It's college football season, folks. And yeah, I, 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 Right now, I'm just itching to watch... Any kind of football. I watched uh, UAB play Central Arkansas. Uh, was, I think it was Friday night, I, or yeah, it was it was Thursday night. Thursday night, UAB played Central Arkansas, and that game was a pretty interesting game as well. And I believe UAB plays Miami this year, so we'll we, we'll see if UAB can uh, you know take it take it to Miami again.
2: That would uh, certainly make my day.
0: It would. Um, yeah. Uh, who does Miami play first? Do you know? UAB. Oh, there we go! UAB. That's what I thought. I figured, I figured. I figured they, they were will. playing them first. Now, now you know if Miami loses the first game of the season, we we've we've got to do a lot of trolling on Twitter.
2: Uh, I think that Gator uh, Gator Nation will be all over Twitter, making Miami miserable.
0: Yeah, I, I just don't. I don't. I don't see Miami getting any any better from what they were last year. I really don't. Now I will say the ACC. Is struggling a lot. The only, obviously, the only good and elite team in the ACC is Clemson. Uh, I, I to be honestly, I don't know. It, it's hard to even name somebody that's in second place for the ACC right now.
2: How, how could you say that the only elite team is Clemson when Florida State is is there?
0: Oh yeah, that's right. Florida State. They got those uh those big bad players out there that um you know look like coach they need Coach Savage in their life. <laughs>
2: Uh, I, I think right now I'm curious just to see if they actually play for Norvell.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting uh topic as well, man. Uh, we we haven't heard any more updates since the uh, whole Norvell situation over there. So uh, I don't know, man. That's that's a pretty interesting uh, conundrum they got going on over there at Florida State, man. So. Anyway, segueing from that, our next guest on the Gridiron Grout podcast is a famous voice in the Florida Gator program, and it is none other than Zach Albaverde, senior staff writer from Gators Territory, as we discuss the current happenings this week in the Florida Gator program and a little bit of recruiting news as well. So, folks, let's go ahead and jumpstart the interview me and Mike had with Zach Albaverde. We have Zach Albaverde on the Gridiron Growl Podcast, senior writer from Gators Territory. Zach, as I asked the last guest, how are you holding up through the 2020 year?
3: I'm doing well, man. Obviously, uh it's been a year like no other, but uh, the good thing is is we're almost closer to football and we've got sports back, so um, definitely looking forward to that. How are you guys doing?
2: I'm doing well myself. Uh, you know, just kind of, trying to survive everything that's going on this year. And uh, I am happy to have you on the show. And I'm happy that right now I've got a uh, college football playing on the TV here in the background. Um, but I wanted to ask you something, you know, with, with no camps taking place right now, uh, why is it that we're starting to see so many players uh, who are falling in the rankings on the ranking sites?
3: You mean for the recruiting ranking? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, they came out uh, with updated rankings on rivals, and I think 247 put theirs out. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't do the recruiting rankings, but I, you know, I know that they update them periodically throughout the recruiting cycles, um, and I'm sure at this period for probably rivals and as well as 247, that was probably the period of the year where they just always update their rankings. Um, obviously, they didn't have as much to go off of as they typically do because there wasn't, you know, spring football and um, obviously hasn't been any summer camps or things like that. But, you know, there was some events that were, that took place in the summer. Uh, I know Rivals had some. I don't think 247 might have had any, but there were some events that took place and not enough maybe to uh, do too much of an update. But, you know, between probably some film that maybe got put out and just uh, some of the camps and, and little events that took place in June and July, that probably had something to do with it. But more than anything, I'm sure it probably had to do with these sites just going back and rewatching a lot of film and just putting out a new set of rankings just to put something fresh on the site and give some fans something to talk about.
0: Yeah, uh, Donovan McMillan and uh, Carlos Del Rio actually jumped quite a bit in the uh, 24-7 sports rankings in the rankings.
3: uh, Yeah, I I mean, Del Rio is obviously a good example. You know, hasn't been any football going on, but he participated in the Elite 11. So doing something like that gives the recruiting services an opportunity to move him up in the rankings.
0: Right, yeah, and uh, it, there was the uh, Elite Eleven that he competed in as well. So I remember that. I know there's been a few camps. There hasn't been that many, but there's been a few. But uh, uh, a few players had dropped, but not a lot. Not a lot of spots. Uh, you know, the, the Jason Marshall went from a five star to a four star, but he only really dropped two spots. So let's be honest. Yeah,
3: well, I mean, he, he he went from a five star to a four star. Believe in the composite, but it was interesting. And you know, he was a five star in the composite, but at the time of his commitment to Florida. No recruiting service actually had him rated as a five-star. Um, right. I don't I don't know how he got rated as a five-star in the composite, which is a combination of the three together, and they kind of spit out a number. But, you know, Rivals, like 247's own mm-hmm. recruiting rankings, they didn't have him as a, as a five-star, nor did Rivals in ESPN. And I'm not suggesting that he's not a five-star <laughs> recruit. Um, that was just kind of a discrepancy that was out there, Um but he's no doubt a top 100 player, and I think he's consensus across the board with that. Yeah, it's
0: definitely an elite recruit for uh, Florida Gators next season. It's uh, not just because he doesn't have that little fifth star that uh, you know right beside his name doesn't mean he's not an elite recruit. That I'm not excited to have him next year on the Florida Gator uh, on the Florida Gator football team. And uh, speaking of the Florida Gator football team, uh, we'll go a little bit over some uh, you know. Some maybe some scrimmage notes and maybe uh just the uh, press conferences from dan mullen uh i, I wanted to ask this question if, if if you have any kind of info or intel from it but uh besides the quarterback obviously Kyle Trask uh which other player on this whole gator squad has stepped up and has been the biggest leader in the locker room
3: yeah obviously um you know been some guys that have taken on that role i think uh offensively certainly um Kyle Trask uh, i think on the On the defensive side of the ball, you know, the coaches kind of singled out Ventrell Miller as a guy that uh, because of David Reese's departure, you know, there's that void there. Not only at the linebacker position and, you know, from what he did from quarterbacking the defense, but also he was one of the team leaders, uh, not just on defense, but overall. So Miller has kind of taken on that role a little bit. Um, I think there's been other guys as well, you know, Jeremiah Moon, He's kind of a guy that is definitely a big leader on the team. So, despite some departures that they had defensively and offensively as well, you know, they got a lot of um, guys coming back that kind of serve in that leadership role. And when you have COVID going on and, and everything that's taking place this offseason, to have those guys in your locker room and to make sure everybody's doing the right thing and staying in shape when there was no workouts going on and then certainly uh, staying safe. Now that they're back on campus and they're, and they're going to classes with students, having that leadership and guys that can uh, carry that role is is really huge right now.
2: On that same note, I've heard a lot about Justin Shorter uh, stepping up, being very active in that leadership role, even though he hasn't yet gotten his uh, waiver from the NCAA to, to be eligible to play this season.
3: Yeah, Mullen had some good comments about the former Penn State wide receiver uh, and five-star recruit. He was a five-star on rivals and uh, coming in, obviously an opportunity for him, even though he doesn't know his playing status because that first week of camp, you know, Florida had three of their projected starters at wide receiver not practicing. So, that was really an opportunity for him to get not only a lot more reps, but as Moen said, kind of take on a leadership role. Uh, maybe not so much with the team, but Specifically with that position, and you know you have Rick Wells there, who's certainly been around. But there's not too many upperclassmen at that position right now. So he was someone certainly as a high-profile player and a guy that's you know played in a big-time program already. Um, he was able, I think, to to, to bring some experience and just having been around the block uh, when Grimes wasn't out there, Tony wasn't out there, Copeland wasn't he was kind of a, a guy that was a, a bit of a veteran presence. Um, so having him there is big. And then if, certainly if he can get his waiver this year, that'll give the Gators another weapon at wide receiver.
2: Sure. Uh, you mentioned the, the other three who who missed the first couple of practices as they were kind of making their decision as to whether or not they wanted to play during the COVID outbreak or not. Um and recently we've seen a lot of players, LSU, uh, Georgia, and a couple other programs around the country where they've opted out of the season. Um, how much does this impact the season, and is this good news for, for Florida?
3: Yeah, I don't know if it's good news. Um, you know, you don't ever want to see uh, players opting out or feel like that they have to be in that situation, and I think Florida and the players and coaches, you know, they want to face these teams. When they're at full strength, but I asked Dan Mullen uh, on Friday about that and, and the fact that they haven't had any guys opt out. Um, you know, they had the holdouts that reported for camp, and then you know they really haven't had anything come out. Kyle Pitts said he never considered it, so um, I asked why he felt like that was, and he kind of pointed to the fact that they haven't had a positive COVID test since early July. So. They've gone all these weeks with practicing and scrimmaging and now students back on campus and still nobody's testing positive. So he said the guys pretty much, there's a growing comfort. They feel like they can play football and they can do it safely. And I think that's why at Florida, uh, at least you know for the time being, you haven't had anybody uh, that's made that decision, coach or player. And I think that says a lot about how committed everybody is uh, in Gainesville.
0: Right, uh, every time I see a player, a picture of a player, a video of a player, they are wearing their mask and they're taking protection precautions to be able to want to play this season. And uh, speaking of pressers, Dan Mullen uh, uh, watched Todd Grantham's presser the other day and he had uh, a ton of great things to say about Gervon Dexter and Brenton Cox. Uh, have they so far lived up to their former five-star billing in practice? And do you think we'll see Gervon Dexter getting extensive playing time now that Elijah Conliff is out for the season?
3: yeah Cox without a doubt has, and it's you know crazy that that we can say that or or kind of feel that way about him, and he hasn't even played a snap at Florida, but just based on what he's done in practice, and i you know obviously the fact that he got that number one jersey, I think that says something about yeah. what the staff feels about him and what he's shown on the practice field, away from the field, just everything that he's done since he transferred from Georgia. He's a guy that people talk about in the program as is potentially being not only one of the best players on the team, but maybe the best defender that Grantham's had for his scheme and for that buck position since he's been at UF. So obviously seeing the production from Zacak Light and Jonathan Grenard, if Cox can come in and, and not only match that but surpass it then he's got a chance to be a special player and then Gervon Dexter, I mean, yeah, he's he's been holding his own in the trenches um, based on everything that I've heard and according to the coaches. And he's a guy, just because of their depth at defensive tackle and not having a lot of guys there, they got a lot of guys there, but maybe not a lot of proven depth, he's going to have an opportunity to get in the rotation. And it might not just be at defensive tackle. He's got the ability to have some versatility and play a lot of spots along the defensive line. But I would definitely expect to count him as a guy that's going to be in the rotation and and, and certainly not someone that's going to redshirt this year.
0: Right. A lot of uh, practice clips are going around on Twitter a little bit that I get to see. And uh, Gervon Dexter, man, uh, quick heads, very powerful. So I'm really excited to see what Dexter can do in his freshman year.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, he's a guy that, uh, you know, coming in as a five-star recruit and then what he did at the high school level, racking up over 100 tackles 125 as a senior which is just ridiculous (laughs) crazy for a defensive tackle um that that really shows you his his ability and you know the fact that he can come in and learn from david turner learn from three senior defensive tackles uh, ahead of him that's really going to help him i think blossom into the player that everybody's expecting him to be
2: yeah, I expect big things out of him. He's he's worked hard to get where he's at, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him play this fall. Um, so recently, the team participated in in a uh, march for uh, social justice and everything. And you know, regardless of which side of the aisle anybody may be on, this act of solidarity by the Gators football program has to have made an impact in the locker room. Do you think this is a a galvanizing moment for the team, or do you think there's going to be a noticeable difference as far as uh, how they they mesh and, and the chemistry amongst them?
3: We definitely made them stronger as a team, and not just in the football, but all the teams that participated in the March. I mean, it was football players, basketball players, volleyball players, soccer players, baseball players. We're all out there, so um, when they come together for something like that and support each other and uh you know it it says a lot and i think that it's gonna you know be something that um definitely makes a difference here on campus and i I think you know uh, for the coaches for them to be so supportive uh participate in the march you know do some of the things that they've done on social media and then certainly have those conversations with their players um you know obviously in-house but but doing those things to where like they feel like they have a voice um they can express themselves and they can do, do the things that they feel like um, can bring about change. And uh, it, it's been really cool to see.
0: Yeah. Dan Mullen uh, was the the actual first coach to uh, go and march out there with his students. Uh, we've seen Nick Saban and uh, Kirby Smart doing the same thing. And uh, it brings me to my next question uh, with with current coaches doing that and kind of following Dan's lead do you think that Dan Mullen has really set the bar and made an impact across all of college football?
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, You know, I I don't know how much um, necessarily recognition that will give, but I definitely felt like when he came out last week and said the things that he said and um, obviously unprompted, you know, some people asked the questions, but he didn't have to go in depth the way that he did. And doing that on top of marching – and then you come out this week and he, and the coaches put out a, a coordinated effort on social media um, with a picture of them all standing on the field together saying that Gators stand for racial justice. Um, it's definitely going to make a mark, not only in, in college football and the way that uh, I think he's viewed by his peers, but also you know in recruiting, no doubt about it. I mean, the fact that high school prospects are seeing everything that's going on and looking at Florida and, and what they've done, and what their athletes and coaches are doing, um, definitely for the recruits, especially that that care about all this, um, and want and to have their voices heard, they're going to feel like Ford is the place that they can go and have that happen.
2: Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, he kind of put his money where his mouth was as far as, you know, he, he's always kind of sold his program as, as a family atmosphere and one that he genuinely cares for each of these players as as people, not just as athletes. Um, so I think this was a good move on his part.
3: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, it was something that I think uh, obviously all coaches got to be there to support their players, but um, I think he obviously took some measures to go above and beyond um, and really stick his neck out, and I I think that uh, it'll definitely pay dividends down the road and right now.
0: Right. And as you said, uh, that people ask questions in press conferences and, and Dan Mullen didn't really have to elaborate on that question. He really didn't, but, uh, he did. And he took the time to, uh, tell everybody how he was understanding his players and how at first he, he didn't get the concept, but he asked his players, uh, I don't get it. Help me understand. And that, that's really cool for him to be that open about it, especially in a press conference and be that open to his players. And it just, it's, it's a testament to what Dan Bullen has done at university floor. And it, it goes to show you how much he actually does care about his students and cares about everybody else.
3: Yeah. And he's always been a guy that I think is willing to, um, speak his mind, give his opinion, but always certainly when he feels educated about it, when he feels like he has something to say and, He really believes in the point that he's making, whereas I think when this uh, really first kind of became a big thing nationally with the George Floyd situation, you know, he put out a statement and he obviously um, had all those conversations with his team, but I don't think he understood as much as he does now, and now that he has that understanding, um, you're really seeing him carry that out.
0: Right, and uh, Dan Mullen's a very understanding and caring guy, and sometimes he has a little bit of a spurrier come out in him, and it came out a little bit this week in a press conference when they asked Dan Mullen about the wearing the jersey numbers before the uh, coin toss gets uh, out there. Uh, Zach, what did you think about that one?
3: Yeah, that was a a good little bit. Um, You know, uh, obviously he kind of insinuated that he feels like Georgia turned him in, although he made sure to say that he didn't say it. but for Florida to have to deal with this rule now where they used to go out on the field in shirt and shorts and, um, you know, be able to warm up and, and not have the opposing team's staff be able to kind of scout their roster, you know, there were complaints out there and he's calling it the Dan Mullen rule now that they're going to have to go out there and show their jersey numbers. So um, just some fun off season back and forth between him and, and obviously potentially Georgia and uh, just add more fuel to the fire, right?
0: right uh if the florida georgia game couldn't get any more interesting next year we we add a little bit of fuel to it (laughs) so zach uh just wanted to go ahead and thank you for joining us on the gridiron grout podcast and as if anybody doesn't know who zach albaverde is they should if they're a florida gator fan zach uh where can we find you on social media and other platforms
3: you guys can follow me on twitter um at my name and uh, read all my work at GatorsTerritory.com, and uh, definitely looking forward to this fall. Obviously, we'll have football season that we'll be covering, but Corey Bender and Joseph Hastings, they cover recruiting for our site. They're always uh, on top of it, making sure that they're bringing all the news on that front. So we're looking forward to football being back and actually having some games to uh, talk about and cover. Um, so a lot to be excited about right now.
0: Right. We've had uh, Joseph Hastings on a few episodes of the Gridiron Growl podcast. So, yeah, Joseph really, uh, really, really knowledgeable in the recruiting world. So, Zach, uh, just want to say thank you for joining us on the Gridiron Growl podcast. Got anything else you want to say to Gator Nation?
3: Yeah, where i at. (laughs) Where i at. (laughs) uh, Keep following all the protocols and, you know, just doing everything that we can to, uh, you know, make sure that that we get some normalcy this fall. Yeah, I hear you.
0: Wear a mask, folks, or else we will probably have no football.
3: <laughs> well, and if you want to, and if you uh, want to see football this fall, you're gonna to have to wear a mask when you come to the swamp. So, right. Um, but, uh, but, I appreciate you guys having me on, and uh, definitely uh, look forward to seeing what this season brings.
2: Zach, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, thanks, Zach. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, guys. Appreciate it the
0: gridiron growl podcast and chomp talk would like to thank the staff at the tower square ups store in gainesville for their sponsorship of chomptalk.com for all your printing and shipping needs make sure to check out the ups store in tower square
2: that was zach albavarti and we're thankful that he joined us on the show he had a lot of uh, good information and and good conversation with us here
0: right yeah uh Lots of uh, lots of things going on in, in, with the team, especially you know, like I said, the, the world issues. And uh, it was nice to hear that uh, Bretton Cox was living up to that number one jersey and that five star billing.
2: Yeah, I'm excited to see him uh, get after it on the field this this uh, season. Um, I think that Florida has a lot of reason to be excited and hopeful for this this season, as crazy as it is.
0: Yeah, and especially with the uh, drop off the wide receivers last year, uh, you still have Kadarius Tony returning. You have Travon Grimes, but uh, you have a lot of good talent. Uh, Jacob Copeland, and, it, and if Justin Shorter gets this waiver, that is a huge like that's that's really huge for the University of Florida because that not also adds another wide receiver to the group. But uh, you know, he, if you if you follow him in recruiting and follow his recruiting profile, he was a pretty elite recruit. He's a big dude too, six foot four. Two hundred, almost two hundred thirty pounds. Uh, yeah, big he, dude.
2: he brings a, a nice, big, sure-handed target to the to the field for the quarterback.
0: Yeah, and and, and then you got these freshmen. uh, You know, the freshmen coming in, and it, you know Xavier Henderson and and, and Jaquavian Frazier's. You got people like that coming in uh, in the wide receiver group too. So it'd be interesting to see who they put that out there on the wide receiver uh on the wide receiver platform. Because everybody's pretty much new except for. Jacob Copeland and Travon Grimes and Kadarius Toney.
2: Well, you know, we've got a lot of talent. Um, you know, we, we did lose some production, obviously, with Van Jefferson uh, going out to the pros and, and, you know, Josh Hammond and Freddie Swain uh, and even Cleveland. Um, we, we lost quite a bit, but we still have a lot of talent. And, you know, one of the things I'm really excited about is that there's actually leadership within this program. Uh, and I'm not talking about the coaching staff. I'm talking about internal leadership, players holding each other accountable.
0: Right. Yeah. Internal leadership. And uh, you mentioned old, uh, let's go ahead. We mentioned Trevon Grimes here for a second. Now I got to go ahead and uh, brag a little bit and uh, puff my shoulders out and my chest out. I, uh, your boy David Soderquist got a, uh, a follow from uh, old Grime time, Trevon Grimes on Twitter.
2: Oh, well, did you? Congratulations.
0: Yes, I did. I didn't mean to segue from that, but yes, uh, as you said, team camaraderie and uh, just being on the same page. The, the the good part about what we just discussed with Zach Albaverdi was uh, coaches understanding the players and as, and, the, and the players acting as a unit and not not really acting, but they they are you know as a unit with each other and and the, the coaches coming out and trying to understand the players on the team, especially with the current world issues and the relationships. And it was a Really good thing to see Dan Mullen uh, in his press conference and answer the question that he didn't have to answer. He could have avoided the question and uh, not shared anything that was discussed in the locker room between him and his players. So I thought that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, again, as I said earlier, you know, regardless of where you stand on this, this topic, uh, seeing the unity, seeing the, the coach actually standing up with his players and, you know, listening to them and, and he actually hearing them and taking into account what they're saying, you know, that's always a good thing. And that's, you know, people are gonna take notice of that. Future recruits are gonna take notice of that. His players are gonna take notice of that. And as, as if they weren't already willing to run through a wall for him. I think that this is going to cement that relationship even more.
0: Right. And, uh, as you saw, Dan Mullen was, was out with his players, uh, protesting with his players. Uh, he didn't have to do that. Dan Mullen didn't have to go out there and protest with his players. He could have just kept this discussion simple and, uh, just understood his players and said, okay, well, you know, here's an escape. We, we have this football, we can escape from these world issues. No, he actually went out there with his team in protest. And it, 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 that says a lot. Like uh, he was the first coach that went out there and marched and protested. And then four days later, you see teams like Alabama, and then four days later, you see teams like Georgia out there protesting. And and you know uh, you could tell when Dan Mullen was protesting, he was the first one out there. Uh, he did it because he actually cared. Now these these other teams, in my opinion, and I'm going to go a little bit controversial on this. I'm a little bit frustrated with Alabama and Georgia because. Mm-hmm. I'm, I clearly think they just did that because Dan Mullen did it, and they didn't want to lose any future recruits or kind of camaraderie in their locker room or players. Now, I'm not going to say that they don't care about their players. I'm sure they care about their players, but it's just I don't know, man. I didn't I didn't get the the vibe from Alabama and Georgia the same vibe that I got from Dan Mullen in Florida.
2: You you don't feel that it was a sincere gesture.
0: No, I think it was more of a copycat gesture because when when that happened with Dan Mullen, you saw a lot of recruits retweeting that and a lot of students and a lot of people just retweeting, oh, look what Dan Mullen's doing over at the University of Florida. And I think, you know, Nick Saban and Kirby Smart saw that and they felt a little uh, pressure by it because they saw what Dan Mullen was doing at Florida. It felt like, you know, if they didn't do it, how would the students or recruits look at them if they were sitting in the locker room? So, I mean personally, man, it it wasn't genuine between Kirby Smart and Nick Saban, and you can tell. I mean, you really think Nick Saban or Kirby Smart would have actually gone out with their players and protested if Dan Mullen didn't do it with his team? I don't think so. And and that's my take on it. It's pretty funny if you ask me.
2: Well, it certainly uh, could be uh, seen as a new recruiting tactic, I suppose.
0: Yeah, well, at least our coach did it because he cared. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, that's my opinion on that. I don't... Not going to go any further with that, but uh, in other news, currently on game day, uh, Kirk Herbstreet says Florida will win the SEC East, and Lee Corso says Georgia will win the SEC East. So I'm I'm a little bit more comfortable with Corso picking Georgia.
2: Are you? I I was thinking maybe it's time for Corso to retire.
0: (laughs) I'm surprised Kirk Herbstreet picked Florida. That's Uh, the most anti-Florida person on there.
2: Herbstreet has actually been really high on Florida ever since Mullen arrived. Uh, I know that he has a reputation of, you know, not giving credit where it's due when it comes to the Gators. But I have to admit, he's, he's actually really uh, spoken up for them a lot over the last couple of seasons.
0: Uh, yeah, I'll say so. Uh, somebody really high. Uh, on Florida was Urban Meyer. Obviously, he coached at Florida, but uh, Urban Meyer knows Dan Mullen. So he, he, he's he got more of a understanding of how Dan Mullen runs a program and how he runs an offense a defense and, and, and all the other positions. And uh, Urban Meyer really high on the Florida Gators this year as well.
2: Yeah, he is. And, and I think that he, maybe not in so many words, he, he basically said that Dan Mullen would be the one to take Florida to another championship when, when he was hired.
0: Uh, I actually believe that uh, you don't go from having a bunch of three star, four star talent. Now, I'm not I'm not dissing these kids. You don't go from winning uh, four and eight one year with Jim McElwain all the way to winning ten games the next year with the same exact talent, and then replicating that even better the next year with eleven wins. And these you got to remember, Dan Mullen still hasn't went through a full four year recruiting cycle, so this is this could just be the 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 cake before the icing and then we get the icing and then you know the sky's the limit from there
2: yeah and you know i think that the steps that have been taken over the last few weeks in recruiting you know, we got the uh jason marshall and, and cory collier from the uh miami palmetto area um i, I think that that's where we're headed I, I don't think that that's so much of an anomaly but rather that uh, the results are starting to show up on on the recruiting trail. What, what what they've done on the football field that's starting to show up on the recruiting trail. That and you know Mullen has he's taken the long game approach, but he's laid the foundations and he's formed relationships not just with the players but also with these uh, coaching staffs all over the country where we have the hotbeds of of five star talent.
0: Right, and it, there's a lot of elite talent still out there, especially for this year, that have taken Twitter and uh, been very pro Gator with their tweets. But like I said, we'll see what happens on National Signing Day. Uh, anything can happen. But it, it, a lot of elite recruits are starting to take notice of Florida, and, and especially with the the Corey Collier and Jason Marshall commitments. That those were huge as well. That was really huge. The that, that Jason Marshall was completely unexpected, and. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll see what happens from here.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think those could arguably be the biggest gets of the Dan Mullen era as far as recruiting goes. Um, you know, and, and a lot of frustration has been voiced over the past couple of seasons about the lackluster recruiting. Um, and I understand that. I completely get it, and, and it has to improve from where it has been. But I think one thing that a lot of people – fail to realize is is how bare the cupboard really was. We had to fill up on, on a lot of the, the positions that don't typically get five and four star rankings. Um, We had to build that depth. And, and I think Dan Mullen focused on that and he's got Florida in, in a better position as far as talent and depth than, than they've been in a long time. Now it's time to start focusing on getting those elite guys and hopefully uh, succeeding in doing so and changing the the perception that Mullen is just a good coach and not a great recruiter
0: right and that starts with beating Georgia this year absolutely you have to beat Georgia now uh, me personally I could I could care less if they go undefeated if they lose one game and beat Georgia I'll still be just as happy I'm uh, a <laughs> so you know me man I, uh, th- that Georgia game is near and dear to my heart man that that I don't like to talk for weeks after that
2: absolutely i understand and and i'm fortunate that that tennessee has uh really struggled against florida putting it mildly uh being that i live here in knoxville tennessee and and i don't have to listen to a whole lot of uh chatter from from the local fans
0: just have to deal with the dirty looks
2: (laughs) i can deal with that i I wear my gear proudly.
0: (laughs) uh i do too i do too actually speaking of gear Uh, I'm going to go ahead and give a special shout out to David Waters and Will Miles at Gators Breakdown. I got my brand new Florida Gators Breakdown t-shirt the other day. Uh, really nice t-shirt, uh, has a nice design of a football on the front, says Gators Breakdown on the front and never a dull moment in Gator Nation on the back. So, uh, went ahead and bought me a Gators Breakdown t-shirt and, uh, wanna could go ahead and just do it one more time for the second week in a row, congratulate them on 2 million listens, man.
2: I know they've worked hard to get there and, uh, they're,
0: they're a great team right and uh you know we'll get there one day with the gridiron growl podcast and uh last but not least in Gators news ford announces today that they're going to have 20 capacity for games uh the tickets are pretty expensive from what I'm hearing
2: I mean they've got to make up for a lot of lost revenue
0: yeah so I, I'm assuming that if you know you have 90k tickets and you can go 20 40 60 hundred and up with the tickets, you <laughs> go basically down to one fifth of that. And you're, you're going to have to sell the tickets at a more expensive price. And at the same time, cause everybody's going to want to get in first of all. And at the same time, not everybody can get in. So that that's, those are really, you know, those are special tickets now. So you have to sell them for, for, for more money. And you gotta, you, obviously you you mentioned the revenue thing. Um, a lot of people are complaining about the expensive ticket prices, but you, you're going to have to expect that when you're only allowing 20% of people in the stadium to begin with.
2: Yeah, once the supply goes away then and demand remains the same, then you pretty much name your price. Right.
0: <laughs> well, Mike, uh, episode six is in the books of the Gridiron Growl podcast, man. Uh, yeah, It's been, been a fun ride so far and had some uh, great guests on today, Brendan Farrell of the Alligator and Zach Albaverde, Senior Staff Writer of Gators Territory.
2: Like Uh, always, it's a pleasure.
0: Right, and uh, what do we say in uh, the Gridiron Growl?
2: We don't just stick together.
0: We keep it together. And keeping it together is what Dad Mullen has been doing at the University of Florida and through six episodes, the Gridiron Growl Podcast and Chomp Talk, Have been keeping it together as well so folks that'll do it for this episode of the gridiron grout podcast and make sure to check us out next sunday on episode seven of the gridiron grout podcast as we're going to keep bringing you new and exciting guests in the florida gator world so until then folks gator fans stick together and keep it together